0: Thanks, Tommy, good morning. All to our, who are here, all to who are online. Happy Thanksgiving again. I trust you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving, amen. I tell you, just I was just very much undone by the presence of God. I um, just wasn't sure if, <laughs> if I could preach, but I just the presence of God is just you know, you cannot. Hello, Hannah, you cannot. There's no money you can use to buy a second of God's presence. There's just no flesh that can earn it. It's just by His goodness and by His grace. Amen. I want to first just start, firstly, hello to everyone. Again, welcome to those who are visiting. My name is Clayton, if you don't know me. I um, have a wonderful wife, Jennifer. She was up here leading worship and a wonderful team of people. I don't always say that in terms of my name and my wife, but sometimes it's, we don't realize how many new people there are, so it's just wonderful to to have you all with us. I want to start by thanking the volunteers, and uh, just for this year, we were going to do this last week, but uh, things changed, so we were actually waiting for a little gift that we ordered, but it didn't come, so we didn't want to thank you and say, but we can't give you anything. So. We do want to thank just the volunteers. I really do want to thank you. I want to thank you by reading to you something out of John 13. It says here, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Isn't that amazing? And supper being ended, the devil... Having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, to to betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. I'm going to read that part again. Jesus, John 13 verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. That's authority. That's victory. That's dominion. And Jesus, knowing that he had come from God, that's his origin, his source, and that he was going to God, that's his future. That's pretty loud next door. (laughs) Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into, the, into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a the towel, which he was girded. You know, you see the Son of God begin to serve mankind here, begin to do something that a servant would do in terms of a slave. And Peter, as being Peter, said, you can't touch me, you can't approach me that way. You know, Peter had to learn some lessons. The reason I'm saying this is for those who serve and for the volunteers, we have an amazing team of volunteers. We really do. This doesn't just happen. Some people walk into a building or to a service and they say, oh, they look like everything's going well. They are often very tired, bedraggled people behind that that have done all of that. And so I want to thank you. But I want to thank you in this way. Service, when you can serve others, it reveals your understanding of who your father is. Jesus served knowing who his father was, knowing where he had come from, knowing where he was going, equips you to serve differently. So if you serve in any capacity, and I mean any capacity, and some of you are going, well, I don't know if that means me, that means you. So if you serve, if you're on a volunteer team, if you've been a volunteer, even, I know there's many at home, I wonder if you guys could all stand, and we'd just love to just thank you, whoever you are. I if you give them a hand. And that includes leadership. Wonderful. So thank you. Really, I mean that. We thank you. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I know you don't do it for us, but it is good to give honor where it's due. You do it for him, and you do it for God's people. Amen? Amen. All right. This morning, I want to speak to you this morning. I'm not sure if we're going to get through it. I want to continue our series, Acts and Origins. Now, this has been the most broken-up series I've ever done in my life, because, you know, it's, we're in a different season right now, and so things keep coming up that we've got to preach into. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go listen, not because I preached, it's just I believe God put a message in my heart to deliver just to the body of Christ, not just a free life, just about how to think and deal with this season. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to go listen to it. It may bring some freedom and some perspective. So, can we pray? Can we pray? Can I ask you guys one more time to stand? Wow, Wow, Jen says. Wow. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth and that truth sets free. I thank you that you have all authority and all power and all glory. I thank you. Lord, we come to your word with open hearts. And with open ears, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that revelation comes into the hearts of people today. That begins to change them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, thank you. Why don't you take a seat again? right, Acts and Origins. I think we're in about week six. The heart was, very briefly, just to go through the book a little bit. The first part of the book of Acts, just to look at our origins. Often when we have been saved a while, or like that game of telephone, I never know if it's called broken telephone or telephone, you know that game. What you start with and what you end with is not the same truth. It's not the same words. It's not the same understanding. And it always empowers my heart. My family's being very misbehaved in the front row, but that's okay. It always it empowers my heart to go and read <laughs> It's my sister, my dad says. Excuse our family. But uh, it, it always empowers my heart to go and read uh, how the disciples understood things and how it was for them on the ground. Not for us as we grow up in church. We develop certain things and certain ideologies and certain doctrines which we're taught. doesn't even mean we know them ourselves. We just believe it. But actually, these guys had to wrestle through a lot of stuff. They, everything changed. Everything. When Jesus came, he... Ruined everything in the best sense of the word. He turned everything upside down. Everything, everything changed. Even the roles of marriage changed. <laughs> everything shifted when Christ came. And when he died, rose again and ascended. And he sent the Holy Spirit and it equalized everything, changed everything. They were no longer dictated to by the law from the m- m- moment they woke up to the moment everything was by the Spirit. Life by the Spirit, life in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, think by the Spirit. The Bible even says the Holy Spirit will teach you how to speak spiritual things. Everything changed. Everything changed. The way they dressed, what they ate, everything. And so to them, the Holy Spirit was so real and so important. So, John 14. Now, I know we say Acts and we go to John. Well, for them it was a few days difference. John 13 to 17, I've said this I don't know how many times in this series was the farewell discourse, Jesus' great instruction before he left, before he went to die. And for them, it was a few days different. He gave this great teaching on the Holy Spirit, and for them, it was a few days different. And everything that he said there played a major role in the early part of Acts, his teaching on the Holy Spirit. So I cannot recap everything that we've done. It would take a few hours. I'm going to try recap a little bit of a little bit. We'll see. John 14. says here, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word, another, what does it mean? Who knows it? Because we've been over this many times. Another of the same sort. Jesus right there is saying in the Greek, I'm going to send you what they call in Acts the promise of the Father. Interesting, it's from the Father. I will send you the promise of the Father, He will be a helper, a counselor, a paracletos, the one who comes alongside, and He will be another helper. And what He's saying is, The way I have helped you, the way I have empowered you, the way I have taught you, the way I have instructed you, the way I have given you power and authority over the demons. Remember, He gave them power and authority, and they went out and ministered everything that I have been to you, friends, disciples, everything. I'm going to send you a helper who will be to you who I have been to you. And the Holy Spirit became their teacher, their guide, their instructor, their empowerer, their authority, everything. He became everything to them. And that's what that word means. And they understood that. So they had to wait for that to happen. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, that cannot receive in the Greek is O dunamai lombano, means has no power. The word for dunamis, power, has no power to receive him. The world has no power to receive him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I come to you. And so, what we've been dealing with week five, even though it was three or four weeks ago, and now, was just a simple thing that Jesus said to them, and it really impacted my heart many years ago. He says to them, you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. You already know him. For he dwells with you, but he will be in you. And so, I know we've covered this, but why did Jesus say that they knew him? Well, he says, you know him, why? For he dwells with you and will be in with you. How did he dwell with them? From their history as God's people. I'm not going to go over this again. We went over this. It's the same as us corporately. You can get to know the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a corporate setting, yeah? Yeah, you can. God wants more than that. But for some people, that is their only experience of the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, you know him for he dwells with you. From them being with Jesus as well. Because he was likened unto them as the first one. I will send you another helper who will be like me. They knew the Holy Spirit by being with Christ. And from the experience of the anointing, which I won't touch on. When the power of God moves through you as a vessel, you learn things. The Bible says in 1 John 2 that the Holy Spirit, that the anointing will actually teach you. You learn things about the Lord. And about the Holy Spirit when he uses you. Things that you cannot learn any other way. (laughs) It's just just the truth. So, but then he says, and he will be in you. Now this is the game changer. And it really is a game changer. He will be in you. The Holy Spirit, the best way they could understand it is to understand the language of temple. He will come to you. He is going to live inside you like a temple. Just like he's there, he's going to live inside you. And we taught... A little bit on that, corporate, temple, personal, and the body of Christ. And part of knowing him, as we've said, is receiving him. What did he say? The spirit cannot, the world cannot receive him because it doesn't know him, but you know him. Therefore, you can receive him. And receiving the Holy Spirit, and I know that can be controversial for some people. You know, and we went over, well, if I'm saved, I've received him through... You know, if I believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit and I have certain things that line up in my box, in my boxed way of thinking, well, that means I have Him. But receiving the Holy Spirit and Jesus' instruction he is saying He has a ministry that He wants to do inside of you. And He is more fully received as we start to understand the ministry that He has within us. And the more we understand that, That he's there inside and he wants to, yes, through you, but I'm not talking about that now. But he wants to do a ministry in you. And every time Jesus uses the word, he said he will abide with you. He will comfort you. He will guide you. He will speak truth to you. He will take of what is mine and make it known to you. All these things he will do inside of you. So, the Holy Spirit's ministry within you. Some of this, I know if you... Visiting, this guy's going fast. We've covered this. I pray this is jogging your memory. The Holy Spirit's ministry within you. He will be your helper, helper, your comforter, your divine encourager. One of the commentaries says, I like that. Your divine encourager. He will be to us everything Jesus was. He will be our aid, our assistant. People don't like that, but that's actually what the word means. Not as one whom we are in charge of, but he will be our aid or assistant, and he will teach you. He will teach you all things. And this was so important for them in the New Testament because the law has now been fulfilled and everything is about the life governed by the Spirit and by the power of God. So now what do I do when I wake up? How do I live? What do I do? as a Jewish person there? What do we do? That's why they devoted themselves to the Apostles' Doctrine. What do I do? And so they had to go and learn who the Holy Spirit was. Now, The Holy Spirit's ministry within you. Now, these are not to box you. These are not, this is everything. This is just helpful for us to understand. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside you according to something that I see in Scripture? Well, He will bring you to the truth. He will bring you to the truth. Your feelings, yes, will be impacted. There are incredible emotions and feelings when God touches a human person. But someone once said, if I... Now, I forget what they said. (laughs) It was wonderful when they said it. I would never have a friend who lied to me as much as my feelings do. Truth sets free. And he will bring you to the truth. He will teach you sonship. The Holy Spirit will wage war against the flesh. Not against you. By flesh, I mean old nature. The old nature that, that got put off when we got saved. He's not waging war against you. He actually partners with your new nature, one spirit. Bible says one body, one hope, one father. He partners with your new nature to destroy and to wage war against the deception of the old. Which we won't cover today either. And the Holy Spirit will teach us to communicate with our Father. Bible says we don't know how. Bible says he helps us in our weakness. We know not ought how we ought to pray. So, the Holy Spirit will bring you to truth. And we've covered this. I'm going to just have to leave that one alone. uh, Because we've covered it. But it's not intellect. It comes through revelation. It comes through revelation. It's not just study, although it includes study. Study is a means often by which revelation can come. But study without revelation remains study. It has to be revelation. The power of God into the mind to change the heart and to change the mind. Now, when a person has a revelation, it actually has the power to change your identity. Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of God. Simon, son of Jonah. Peter, son of Jonah. Peter, son of John. Flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father is in heaven. And now your name shall be. Shift in identity because of a revelation without revelation without the revelation the power the illumining power of the Holy Spirit on his word and on his word into my ears not this is the Lord not that you know he speaks into the heart without that the identity can never shift of who we actually are born again to be born in a new nature So the Holy Spirit will bring us to the truth. He will consistently bring us to the truth. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that he's searching the hearts of mankind. Now, if you've grown up in a very religious, can I just speak blunt, dry, forceful, legalistic society, we will hear he searches the heart to trap us, to find sin, to do... No, no, no. He searches the heart, Romans 8... Go read it. He searches the heart to find someone who is willing to learn to think and act like he thinks and acts. That's why the word in the New Testament "metanoia" means to change the way you think, because we are operating from a fallen wisdom when you are born on the earth with the first the nature of the, the, the mind of the first nature. And so he is willing to find. He's looking to find a heart that he can flow through and empower and it will cause us to change the way we think. Why? Because it's how he operates. Jesus said, and I had all the scriptures, but it'll take too long. I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's Jesus in his humanity, meaning the wills of him and the father could have differed. That's not blasphemy, that's scripture. I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, I do not speak on my own authority, but what I hear, I speak. The Holy Spirit, it says in John 16, he does not speak on his own authority. He looks for a person. Remember in the book of Acts, if we were the man of Theophilus who Acts was written to? Remember if we read it, every single time it uses the phrase filled by the Spirit, what is it talking about every time in the book of Acts? People that speak for God or prophesy or preach to be filled and speak. So the Holy Spirit looks for a heart that is willing and longing to learn how to live by under the guise and under the guiding of the Spirit. So that even what we speak are not our words but His. And that takes extreme submission. So He looks for that heart. Who can I flow through? Who can I move through? That will not change it and make it about them. They will keep it about Christ. Because Jesus said when He comes He will testify of me, Jesus said. Is this making sense? Now we're moving fast. So, this is what I want to talk to you about today. The Holy Spirit, with His ministry inside of us, will teach you sonship. And what I mean by that is He will bring us into the experience, experiential knowledge, not study, although it will require that but he will bring to you as one who comes along with you on a journey and as one who's with you instructing and teaching, he will bring you into the experience of what it means to live as God's sons and daughters. He will do this. It is his desire to such a degree that he will bring you to the truth. His name, one of the names or the understandings of this person, of the Holy Spirit, he is called the Spirit of Truth. Another one in the New Testament, he's called the Spirit of the Son and the Spirit of Adoption. From within you, he will teach you what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. And that changes everything literally everything. So I'm going to break it into two parts. I want to get to the second one, being honest. Not that the first isn't important. It's very. But I don't know if we will. will, uh, This is just me to help us understand it. The Spirit of God will bring us into the experience of sonship. That is one of the ministries He will have within your heart. And He will teach you God as our Father and Jesus as our brother. And they are different. I have found when He speaks to us about the fatherhood of God... It actually is about God's view of us, what we believe God thinks of us, and how we think God sees us. You know, for some people, that's years and years and years to get the junk out and get the truth in because of their earthly father or the lack of. But God is a father. It's a great, the prime revelation in the New Testament Father God. He's a father. And it's God's view of us and our view of Him. It's also the Spirit of God within us showing and teaching us that Jesus Christ's finished work, the finished work of Christ was enough. It is finished. It's all done. You don't have to qualify or earn. It's done. He will teach you that from inside. He also will show us Jesus as our brother. Now, I'm not downplaying Christ. For those of you who are, oh, how can you say yeah, that? No, no, no. Just relax. Um, In the Old Testament, you see Boaz, the kinsman to Ruth, who redeemed her. It's called a kin family, a kinsman redeemer, Boaz. You see Joseph, the brother, who is known as the kinsman redeemer. Jesus called them brothers. There is a truth all through Scripture of Jesus as a brother, the firstborn of many sons. Hello? There's such a powerful truth in this And many have missed missed it. But Jesus is a brother. That is not so much about what we think God thinks of us. It's how you think of you. And how you think of the enemy. It has to do with authority. It offers you authority. It is the source of your authority, although it's not about you. jesus our brother it's we've learned to finish work everything that christ did on our behalf and we can come to the father this is about what does that finished work call us into yeah that's exciting thank you so great chat so god is our father this is the love of the father it secures our identity And our approach, I have found for me, it's secured in me, it still does, it's not something we now understand, move on, it's always and forever growing. It's the God is my dad, he's my father, and it secures inside of me my identity, identity comes from the father. The father, the word means to come forth from. It secures my identity and my approach to God. My approach, Bible says, come boldly. Can you go boldly to to God? When you sin, do you run towards or run away? It reveals things about what we understand of God. 1 John 3, can we just go through some scriptures quick? 1 John 3, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. In other words, don't expect the world to treat you according to your new nature. Thus, don't think and act like them. See, (laughs) oh boy. The Bible in the New Testament speaks to the new nature. If you have a law-driven, legalistic, religious mindset, you will see just do's and don'ts. In the Old Testament, do's and don'ts, disobedience to the law was a... Very important. In the New Testament, obviously obedience, everything comes through obedience. But it's through obedience from a heart of love, not a heart of fear. Because in the New Testament, the New Testament speaks to the new nature. When it says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, it's not saying you're a bad person. It's saying, when you do these things, you've been deceived. You're not acting according to who God has now made you. There's something you haven't seen. It's freedom. It's liberation. So, the world does not know us this way. Galatians 3, verse 26 to 4, verse 7. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ. There it is, black and white. Now, ladies, I've had this question so many times. Why not daughters? Well, because you're in Christ and He's a son. And I always say, if you can be a son, if I have to be a bride... You can be a son. So, it's true. I don't want to wear a wedding dress. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. is no longer nationality. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ if you're saved. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What was Abraham? wasn't by law. He came 430 years before the law. It was by faith, by belief. Now I say that the heir, what is an heir? Inheritance, yeah? You have an earthly inheritance in Christ and a heavenly one. Your earthly inheritance has to do with authority and dominion. Yes, salvation. Yes, but authority and dominion. What does a child do to get an inheritance? Nothing. He is born. That's it. When you are born again, you are born with an inheritance. Not by what you do. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. People preach that as, well, when you're young in the Lord, you don't. Actually, what it's talking about is the delay in sending Christ. It's talking about Israel as being under the tutor of the law, which was to form in them the understanding that we, with our own nature, cannot make it back to God. We cannot. We cannot. That's, he says, says, but even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. That also, again, means the principles and the regulations. Under the principles and regulations, first line calls them beggarly elements. It's all about behavior. It's all about morality. It's all about what I do. It's all about being good little boy. Paul's saying there's so much more. In the spirit. It's about who you've become because of your birth. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You know, we have an adopted sister. To me, she's just my sister. I don't think of her that way. But in the Roman law, you could disown your birth children, but not adopted ones. My sister tells, used to tell Chantella and I, they got you. They chose me. <laughs> it's really true. It's awesome. It's true. So, think of that for yourself when it comes to God. Hello? Do you think like that? If you don't, ask him to show you. Then I love this. And because you are sons, what do you do to be a son? You're born. So because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. My dad said a long time ago, and it struck me, he, the spirit within you could have cried out anything. Creator. Yahweh. But he cries out, Father. Father. Because of the destruction in the world <laughs> with fathers. But also because he's your father. And he sends the spirit of his son into you, and it cries out, Father. Abba, Father. People say it's Abba, Abba. It's not. One word is Hebrew, one word is Greek. Abba, Pater. You know Pater where you get the word Padre? Hey, Padre. Father. And it actually means this. I wrote it somewhere. Father, the one from whom I actually come from, I am your son. but it requires us or it, the spirit of adoption will teach us that you may be adopted but you still think like a slave. But he says, because you are sons, because you are sons, not because of what you've done, because of your birth, I will send my spirit into your heart and he will instruct and comfort you for bringing you through to the truth. Of what it means to be a son and a daughter in my house. Bible in Ephesians two, the family of God, the household of God. God never wanted an institution that had doctrinal agreement. He wanted a family. Romans nine twenty six, in which this is talking about Israel, that the Gentiles were not included yet yet beforehand before Christ came but this is now saying this is what will happen Romans 9 26 and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them you are not my people in other words before Christ there they shall be called sons of the living God that's you it feels like blasphemy in some people's hearts to say I'm a son of God they say no there's one son of God no you're a son of God Get over how it feels. Go to the truth. You're a son of the living God. Scripture. Exodus 4 calls Israel, Israel, calls Israel God's firstborn son. That's why the Jews struggled so much. What do you mean God is a son? Israel is His son. It's still true of the church. The church is called the body of Christ. We corporately are the body of the son. We are the body of Christ, but individually I am God's son. Oh, help us with the time, Lord. Romans 8 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. Again. Say the word again. It means you did receive it at some point. When you were born on the earth with the old nature. Do you know where the old nature comes from? This will offend some. The devil. Jesus said that, your father is the devil. Still in God's image, but bent and twisted and contorted. In slavery to what? Fear of death, fear of the unknown. Fear. It's the most repeated command all through the Bible. Do not be afraid. They're not afraid. It's awesome. For did you not receive you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out again Abba Father Show you this chart really quickly slave in a roman household a slave exists only to meet needs the son the emphasis is on the person and on his relationship within the family a slave a mindset the value derives from what you do that's why this performance culture is so powerful when it, when it enters the church. What do you ask a person when you get to know them, when you meet them? Oh, what do you do? The whole culture is built on that. Not so with Christ. Whose son are you? You notice it, when they go through the lineage... All through the Bible Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 it starts with the lineage of Jesus Christ why the New Testament starts by revealing to you your family lineage in the spirit realm it says this testament is different they don't go through lineages in the Bible no one ever reads them right you go and then the Lord and then son of son of son of son of son of son of son and Jesus loves me right we, we skip over you don't see the blacksmith the architect you see, father, son of so, son of so, son of so, son of so. Their whole culture, whose son are you? Our culture, what do you do? Oh, it's so destructive. <laughs> oh, sorry. The son is an emphasis on what they as a person can become with dreams that form in a healthy home. The slave is a profit and loss in the house, a son, the purpose of the person as they learn and prepare to take responsibility. The slave lives under the law. Their position depends on their response to commands and fulfillments of task. The son, the love of the family, both maintains them as part of the family unit. I said it's unity, it's supposed to be unit and also motivates them to dream. of that chart, which way do you see yourself in terms of what you think God thinks of you? How do you approach God? Like one or like the other? Because none of these, none of these on the slave mindset produce relationship, not one. Everything else on the other side, the whole existence is relationship. Becoming secure... An identity as a son, which changes, sorry, those children are, it's awesome, I actually have, which changes our approach to God. You've been set free from being a slave, and the Spirit of God will teach you that inside. But you know what? You have to learn to say it. The Spirit of God cries out in you what? Abba Father. Do you believe he's your father? Then say it. Because what I mean is, everyone says, yeah, I believe it. It's here. Take truth. When does truth set you free? When you use it. Take this truth, not how you feel, and I'll read this to you sometimes, and I do this frequently. I don't, I'll be honest, I did this for so many years daily. I don't have to do it as much now because it's it's built inside of me. When the sun, when the lies come from the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, I have the Holy, this is what you say, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. You say it out loud. He abides in me as the spirit of the son and as the spirit of adoption. I am a son of the living God. Say it. Don't think it. Say it. Chosen by him. Adopted by blood of Jesus. By blood. Reborn. A new man with a new name. I am not a victim. I am not alone. I am not afraid. (laughs) Say that. You have to say it. Watch your thought process change. (laughs) When authority comes into a person is when the spirit of sonship lays hold of that heart and they start to learn to stand on truth as a son. Friends, if my father was some great man, some he is, But if he was some, I mean that, but if he was some great man in terms of the world, some ambassador, some president, some king, that matters. If God is your father, it should matter. It should matter. And the spirit cries out, Father. You will discover that you are not so easily condemned. Mostly you condemn yourself or the enemy, and we think it's him. You're not so easily overcome, not so easily overtaken, because God's my father. You can't push me around. You have to get like that with the devil. Don't be afraid of him. He's afraid of you. That's why he's lying to you. (laughs) Now we're out of time. Jesus as our brother. Friends, this one. Since I was a boy, I've known there's more of God than what we see here for now. The more of God, supernatural power and authority. And why don't you see it today? Why don't you see sons of God acting? and living as sons of God because it's, they need God as a father for the restoration, for the healing. He loves me. I'm pure. I'm clean. I'm righteous. I'm holy because of what he's done, not of what... And, and then, what does it mean to be a son with dominion and with authority? Not because of anything I've done. That's settled over there but nevertheless, I'm a son by birth. Can I read you a quote? That wasn't a question, I guess, because I'm gonna do it. Some of you know R.A. Torrey? Great man of God. It is the marvelous dignity of a sonship in glory like that of our Lord Jesus with all its attendant blessings and privileges Services and rewards, sufferings and glories to which the gift of the Holy Spirit is related in this present dispensation. Read that ten times. Accordingly, when the disciples were baptized on the Spirit of the day of Pentecost, they were not only endued with ministering power, but they also then entered into the experience of sonship. They knew, then they knew, as they could not have known before. Though the book of Acts records but little of their inner life, that through the heaven-descended Spirit of the sons of God are forever united with the heaven-ascended glorified Son of God, the Spirit of the Son. Whether they at first fully realized this fact or not, it is seen in the gospel of John. They were in him, and he was in them. Was Jesus begotten of the Spirit? So were they. Was he not of the world as to, in terms of his origin and nature? Neither were they because of the new birth. My kingdom is not of this world. My citizenship is in, I'm not from here. I can't think and talk like you because I'm not from here. Neither were they. Was he loved of the Father? So were they. And with the same love, says it in John 17, was he sanctified and sent into the world to bear witness to the truth? So likewise he sent them. Did he receive the Spirit as the seal of God to his sonship? So were they sealed. Was he anointed with power and light to serve? So they received the same unction from him. Did he begin to serve when there came the attesting Spirit and confirmation of the Father? So they began to serve when the Spirit of the Son, the witness, was sent forth into their hearts, saying, Abba, Father, was He, after serving and suffering, received up in glory, so shall, I will say, you obtain this glory, His glory, when He comes again to receive you unto Himself. Because truly, as He is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4, 17. What does it mean to think like a son of God? Do you know who you are? (laughs) Really, do you know who you are? It offers dominion, unimaginable dominion. Now, we can't go on, so sadly. Maybe not sad for all of you, but for me. Hebrews 2. I may have to get into this another time. It says both the one Hebrews 2:11 both the one who makes men holy who's that Jesus Christ both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Think about that. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family this understanding of sonship. We need to understand God as our Father. Without that, this becomes destructive, damaging, bent about us. We need this. We also need to understand Jesus, our brother, the firstborn of many sons. The Bible says even creation, the earth, nature, groans for the sons of of God on the earth to become manifest into who they are. So much more than going to church. (sighs) We'll leave it there. Friends, he has put all things under his feet. And you are in him. It's not you. But by birth you're his son. You have authority that you do not know of. But the enemy lies consistently. It's not about you, it's never about you. But you know what you'll find? When God uses you for power and authority, you know very quickly, whoa, that wasn't me. You know what happens? You become humble. It humbles you, it doesn't come with pride. You're too afraid to be proud. because the loving God rests in you.